This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello everybody, and welcome to a surprising new episode of the fifth season of The Worst Idea of All Time. Guy Montgomery, hello. Hello, Tim. It's not just a surprising episode, it was a surprising couple of hours to spend on a Sunday Mm. as a man Mm. who sort of thought he'd washed his hands of and walked free from the Emmanuel through time franchise, Um, if not because uh, Japanese... um, only release is still trapped behind a paywall. Mm. Let me talk you through this journey, Guy. It was brought to our attention that there is another Ali Hayes-driven Emmanuel Through Time movie called, uh, I think, Emmanuel and the Chocolate Factory, which is a um, Willy Wonka parody in the Emmanuel Through Time series. Now, my understanding is that this movie was only released in Japan um, I was provided by one of our dear listeners two locations to get it, which were both Japanese uh, websites. Makes sense. So I uh, yesterday went for a, a big long walk during lockdown to go and find a prepaid credit card to purchase. Oh, wow. Because I didn't want to trust my own Visa credit card to a website that I couldn't sort of understand the translation of or, or put a lot of faith in because I'm not aware of, you know, the website's um, pedigree. So went on my big journey, got myself a, a Prezi card, which is a Visa thing, came home, went through, used Chrome because it's got a built-in language translator, followed through some broken English that I could sort of ascertain as to navigating to a rental period. And then it turns out that, and on both websites that I was provided to obtain this movie, it was to rent a DVD, which would be posted to my address in Japan, a place I do not live. So it was all for naught. However, wow, 
while doing this um, research and trying to find if there was any other location I could find the Emmanuel uh, and the Chocolate Factory movie, I stumbled across these Japanese translated titles of the Emmanuel Through Time series. So you remember Emmanuel Skin City? Yeah, I do. Well, uh, the transliteration in Japanese is Skinless City, mm-hmm. which is not quite the same. No. There's also Emmanuel Sexy Twilight, which they did not call it in the English version, I think, for uh, copyright reasons. That, that is a title that does its job, though. Yes, absolutely. Emmanuel, uh, what we know is Emmanuel, um, what was it, Naked Agent 69 in 0014 or something like that? Yeah. Uh, is is known to Japanese audiences who wish to observe the title in English as, for some reason, Emmanuel Humiliation Reward. Oh, yeah. I like um, I like the idea of there being sort of a reward for surviving humiliation, or as a yeah. motivation to get to the other end of it. Yeah, it's nice that you wouldn't just get humiliated for nothing. You're going to get a payout as a result. Yeah. There's um, Emmanuel Paranormal Ecstasy, which was, I can't remember what the English one's called, but it was very quite, it was like, you know, yeah. ghostly sex times something. Um, and then there was uh, Emmanuel Insert with Unknown, which I was like, what the fuck is that one? And it turns out that was Emmanuel Forbidden Pleasures, which was the big mashup one that we watched about third in, which we should have watched as the wrap up because it was basically a flashback episode to all the previous movies in the Quintology? Yeah. Quin- no, Quinn's five, isn't it? What's seven? Septology? Sept. Um, but this may not even be a septology because I was basing that on the movies we knew about. I stumbled into this whole other one, which was Emmanuel in Wonderland, and I was like, I wonder what one that is the translation of. And it was a movie we hadn't even seen, Adventure into the Woods, which is like a sort of slightly parallel to the, I don't even know if this is canonically part of Emmanuel through time, but it <laughs> yeah. does reference it. And it is starring Ali Hayes, who is our um, Emmanuel in the As Emmanuel Brittany through Joy. time series. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, it, it, it certainly, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's sort of a bit of a Hobbs and Shaw situation mm. within the fast franchise that's, that's because it is undeniably related. Like it features all the same featured players and it even top and tails it with the your traditional time traveling blimp setup. Yes, but it is an altogether different kind of movie, and I would almost argue genre of movie. Yes, like, and it sort of it casts a new light to look through the entirety of the Emmanuel through time franchise because this is an out and out musical. This is like I did. I I I, I um. I'd say I can't remember the number eight or nine songs, like mm. maybe more. And I would I would say one sex scene, yes, which uh, is what, actually told in a song. What is um, painfully clear in this movie is that this was put into the hands of someone who genuinely just wanted the opportunity to make a musical, and finally was given a little bit of resources. To make it happen, because and after the first you really got to put the emphasis on little bit. Yeah, well, <laughs> do you know what? To their credit, they figured out how to use the fucking green screen in this one. Because one of the early scenes where they do an Alice in Wonderland style entrance into this musical universe, um, they have Emmanuel 
she eats a muffin, right? Yeah, she's got two options, eat me or drink me. Which is the same as in Alice in Wonderland. So she eats the thing and then she uh, grows very, very large in a room and they pulled off the effect. Yeah, and can I say, sexiest part of the movie. I love... Really? I, there's nothing I love woman. more than seeing a giant nude woman hemmed in by a little room. <laughs> that really, <laughs> really gets you spins going. my wheels. And then just as I was getting excited, they took it all away from me because she drank the potion. And she didn't just shrink down back to regular size. Oh, no. She shrank down so teeny-weeny. And the way that they did this, they used a great perspective trick where when she was giant, she was holding uh, a key which became tiny. And then when she was small, she was holding the same key. But the key was no longer tiny. The key was giant. She was smaller than the key. This is some Peter Jackson level Weta Workshop style visual effects to bring it us into It does have the feeling of a movie world. that was made in between Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yes. You get the sense that some of those top dogs at Weta Workshops were looking for a, a side hustle. So Richard just- Taylor was like, we've got all this compute power sitting at our disposal and nothing to throw it at. What's that? Someone involved in Emmanuel wants to make a musical? We're in. Yeah. So I didn't know this movie existed, obviously, and you, you, you came across it in your travels while you fastidiously and nobly tried to track down um, uh, chocolate porno. Uh, and you told me we'd be watching it, and you said it looks like it, it could be a bit of fun. And I, I put it on, and I immediately, the first thing I observed was the one hour and 38 minute runtime, which is only like, you know, nine minutes longer than all the other Emmanuel Through Time franchises. But there's a psychological barrier that made it feel a lot girthier. And um, I settled into it. And honestly, I think it might, it might be to do with them abandoning the porno angle entirely. And like also just. I mean, what I'm trying to say is that I enjoyed it the most of any of these movies. Like, I really, you know. Great, great, um, great, great. I'm so glad to hear that. It it really recontextualized the rest of them because it's like, it changed it from being a ragtag group of, like, you know, actors in Hollywood trying for their break through the medium of erotica. And it's sort of like, it, it made me see the audition process. And all of these people... You know, like if if they're being cast across an entire series of films or a franchise of films, and they're like, "So we're going to do one of these, one of these, one of these," and we're doing a musical number, all of these people were triple threats. These people didn't just go into an audition room and like read some lines and you know talk about how comfortable they are having sex on stage. They sang and they danced. These are triple threats. They suck, they fuck, and they perform in musicals. Yeah, they and and they. It wasn't just the screen talent that you saw. It was the backstage stuff. It was the production. They actually went to the trouble of recording these songs properly. An unparalleled level of audio competence. I could hear everything. But it it made like, in terms of the featured players, the people that we're seeing, Mm. it felt like a real, like either high school or repertory theater style musical. Like you've got a lot of the secondary actors are recurring as different supporting roles in the background of big song and dance numbers that are afforded to a few of the actors. And like, do you know what this was? Go. Emmanuel through time is all out of money and they're going to shut us down unless we can put on the best damn talent show this cinema going audience has ever seen. And we are going to fly so close to the copyright law, son, you would not believe it. This movie, I, I wrote ins- down some time codes. Actually, can I can I play some stuff while you're talking? Oh yeah, absolutely. This movie, like, you know, it's like 
someone because Into the Woods is referenced in the title, I think, which is a which was a Broadway play that got adapted into a, a Hollywood film, and like in the sense that it's a musical, and she kind of spent some times near a bush. It is a bit like that, but this is mostly like Shrek. Check this out. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if George Baker is alive or dead, but he must be spinning at his grave. I, I love that. Was the, the most interesting thing about that is that was the only song that they decided to um, make like an out and out. I don't know if parodies, right? But where they were like, this is the. This is the blueprint for the song we're doing. We're doing Little Green Bag, but it's about yeah. a little blue dog. And then all of the other ones seem to be like Emmanuel through time originals. And I would say, I, I would. I was going to ask you that. Like, did you recognize any of the other songs? Because I, I, I didn't either. And, and I, would, I just figured I must not know what I, they I were. I thought that but. too, but then it was too many. And then, honestly, I think it made this one the worst song because <laughs> it punctured the reality of the movie. It reminded you that other music and other yes. people performing music exists, and you're like, oh, oh. And that they weren't afraid to borrow at least once from an existing. Like, if they had just done that, the, if we had meatloaf numbers in this, yeah. it would have been so good, which I actually thought they did once or twice. I was like, this sounds like it could be a bad ripoff of a meatloaf song. But, but like, in this movie, we traipse through every fairy tale, fable, children's story film like it feels like the producers could remember oh, and probably get their hands on from a costume shop yeah so i wrote some of these down so into the woods as guy alluded to is a, is a stephen sondheim joint that he and stephen sondheim if you don't know him he's like broadway royalty he did sweeney todd west side story um and he did into the woods which is a, a musical mashup of the brothers Grimm story so there's like Rapunzel characters, Cinderella, Jack and the Beanstalk. So this kind of takes that framework of kids' um, stories, but not just from brothers. This is grabbing like Alice in Wonderland, Snow White, Little Red Riding Hood. The the Big Bad Wolf is in here doing blackface for no reason in particular. Yeah, uh, Jack and the Beanstalk, I think, is in this. Jack and the Beanstalk's um, in there. The, the Jack that they have in this movie is like. They have his backstory is filled out by every Jack that you've heard of as a child. So he's yeah. Jack from Jack and the Beanstalk, who's also Jack from Jack and Jill, and his mother lives in a shoe. Like they're really cramming a huge amount of pre-established backstory into all of these characters. And I guess because copy, I I think we spoke about copyright law recently. Weirdly, I guess that they have rights to say like to label them as certain members of these characters, like. Because in other ones, like there's a there's a Kermit well, the Frog the, yeah, the, in it, but I, it, they call Kermit the Frog Kermine the Frog, which well, yeah, because Kermit's going to be like copyrighted up the wazoo. That's going to be protected. But these other things, I don't know. It's like these are adapted folklore tales, yeah. so I don't think that I, Humpy I, I don't Dumpy's think Disney... in this movie. The Tin yes. Man and the Scarecrow are in this movie. Well, yeah, Wizard of Oz is different because, like, the Wizard of Oz is is you know, there's not that old, and a guy definitely wrote it. Um, uh, Alf Frank Baum or something like that. He, you know, and that's it, probably under copyright somewhere. And then also like, um, but it's weird of, that they care. Wizard of it's, Oz. They also kind of allude to like Wicked, which is like also a source of inspiration. I think where it's like you know you're showing the parts of 
well-known musicals or intellectual properties that aren't shown in their in their most the, known telling. The point being, this is it's been made by someone who loves musicals. This isn't a musical who has been made by someone who like isn't familiar with the genre and doesn't have their favorite show. Like this is someone who is into Broadway and and wanted to make their own one and used the Emmanuel pornography series as a vehicle to be able to like achieve this. And I've actually not written down their name. I think it was a woman's name from memory, but it was like, I do remember at the start credit seeing the normal kind of names that we were used to. And then this other person, I was like, that's, that's who they got in. That well, is the person. It's amazing because they like, truly they get so attached and waylaid by the musical element that like, this is not, uh, a porno. There's like Mr. Goodstein. I found it. There's exposed body parts, but yes. they're not sexualized. They're purely incidental. There's the Emperor's new clothes are in this. At one point, yes, Emmanuel yes. uses the Emperor's new clothes to talk her way out of prison because the guard's like, "You're in prison for indecent exposure," and she's like, "No, no, I'm wearing the latest and hot could or you know, like I'm wearing a fancy outfit." And then he's like, "Ah, yes, so you are." It's, um, it was red. That rocked. And then he gave her a coat um, because he well, got... Everyone has the same eye for fashion as him. He got he he got tricked. He got bamboozled by Emmanuel. Emmanuel was like, do you love my dress? He's like, you are naked. And she was like, no, no, no. Only idiots can't see the dress. I'm wearing an elegant dress. He's like, oh, yes, of course. No, it's fantastic. <laughs> and then he says, but, you know, some of these other guards might be too stupid to see the dress. So yeah. I'm going to give you my coat. And it is a woolen coat. And then they go to the next frame and she's in like a PVC fake leather coat. Yeah. It's like, okay, guys, all good. Um, I found the woman, by the way, Esther M. Goodstein, I believe, is the person who put their musical loving fingerprints all over this. And uh, she now owns something called The Goods, which is in Los Angeles, California. I don't know what The Goods is, but she was at Click Productions for many years as a producer, which is... Um, Great Click Productions. It's the house that made this. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved that it wasn't, like, I loved, you know, one of the criticisms I've had and one of the frustrations I've felt with some of these has been that it's been straddling the line between genre parody and porn. And I love just throwing one of those out the window and saying, we're doing this. And then mm. I also love seeing how far this like production stretched itself. Like yeah. when you played little blue dog before watching that, I was like, Oh wow, this is really jarring and great. And like, you know, this is bad, but also, you know, really enjoyable. And then, it was the backup dancers in Little Blue Dog. So there's, I can't remember. He's having sex with Little Bo Peep. This guy's having sex with Little Bo Peep behind a, a bush or a shed or something. And Emmanuel sort of stumbles upon the noise of them having sex. And she hears them finish. And then they run away. And she goes, oh, no, my sheep. And then you're like, ah, yeah, Little Bo Peep. And then this guy, who I, I can't remember exactly what he's drawing from. But he's like, oh, no, my dog. And then he starts doing Little Blue Dog. And as he's doing it, two backup dancers come out and they're wearing like the most they're wearing like blue t-shirts and underpants and then blue stocks with like stockings with like chunky cork heels on one strap sandals and like it just really i really was on the set and i really yeah. was with the performers 
the mere fact that there were backup singers and dancers in some of these numbers, I was I was blown away. I was so impressed. This speaks to nothing but the low bar that the rest of the Emmanuel Through Time series has set for itself, but it absolutely pole vaulted over the quality bar that the rest of the and films the, the number get of to. musical numbers it's like there was a I didn't read the credits in their detail because they also did a really cool thing where the credits were, had the, your classic bloopers playing next to them in this one. There was your eight minutes as well. The film actually stopped dead on 90, and then we had uh, some credits started up with, I think, another whole other original song and then uh, some bloopers after that. But there was a busy choreographer working on this, and um, I don't know if you describe them as being a great choreographer, but they did choreograph a lot of things. <laughs> busy is a great word. I love that. How would you describe? I'm a busy comedian. Yeah, are you, yeah. Are you good? I'm. Bu- I'm. I'm so busy. I'm busy all the time. Uh, I would not describe myself as a busy comedian. You're in lockdown. I will play one of the songs though, if I may. That I thought I would, absolutely, love, I would love that. Absolutely ripped. And this was for um, old Mother Hubbard who lives in a shoe. That's right, eh? Is it? No, the- there was an old lady who lives in a shoe. Old Mother Hubbard. Oh, right. She lives in a cupboard, bro. Oh, fuck, of course. <laughs> well, this woman doesn't live in a shoe either. She revealed to us that it was metaphor. No one lives in a shoe. Yeah, she lives in a metaphor. Here's a... Uh, oh, I've got to turn the volume on. Here's her song. And this woman, she can kind of sing. Yeah. So this. Do you know what's so funny, which you can't see, you can only hear both guy and audience. So she does what, like a cool, um, uh, like a windmill kick across a table, you know, fanning her dress out. But she she's wearing black spanks underneath. So they they have forgotten it's porno. Like that's a great opportunity to show some naked female form. And they're like, nah, fuck all that. We're doing a musical yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. We don't want to distract from the music. This this was like an incredible subplot in it. So this is the old woman who lives in a shoe, and that's how Jack, the dastardly, very busy Jack from the up the hill to fetch a pail of water and from the beanstalk and every other Jack you can think of, he describes her as an old woman. She's not. She's a, a young mum who's married a, an absolute piece Tell of shit. Tell her like it is, guys. She's a young, hot mum. She's a young, hot mum, and she she married, would you believe it, just her like she married Peter Peter of Peter Peter Pumpkin Eater fame. And this fucking layabout just sits on the couch watching sports, drinking beer, ignoring her, asking for everything, offering nothing to the point that he actually like she sort of sings this song at him like and to Emmanuel to contextualize it. She's like, I fucking work myself to the bone to put a turkey on this table. And for what? For nothing. And then Peter Pumpkin's like, this is, I'm so sick of these songs. I'm going down to the pub or what is it? Rosie's Cantina or whatever the yeah, sex right. club Rosie's. in this weird fairy tale land is. And he goes, and then later on he gets busted cheating. And and actually we're rooting for the old woman who lives in a shoe. And she's like, I don't need this in my life, Peter. Why don't you go fuck a pumpkin because I'm out. <laughs> it's so good. It's a brilliant story within a story. And that's the kind of thing that you get treated to when you're doing these um what is it called? And it's like an anthology within a single movie. So sometimes you get like anthology movie series or anthology TV series. This is like 
many, many characters and small tales. This is pulp fiction. This is his, this know? is like hyster- historical fairy tale fiction. Like this is you know. I mean, directly, it's into the woods. I don't know why I'm picking like a different example. See, it, it is. is it's, it's, it's into the woods. Yeah, I keep. I can't get Shrek out of my head, but I guess it is. It's it's both. Because you're just taking every, you're taking all these known things and you're putting them together. Pinocchio was in this movie, guy. I don't know if I've ever seen Shrek. Are you serious? In fact, I'm pretty sure I've not seen any Shrek ever, any times. You have got to be taking the piss. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Why would I have seen it? Because everyone has seen Shrek, and it's directed by a New Zealander. It was acclaimed to fame for our fair nation for a while. A lot of things are directed by New Zealanders that I have not seen. I, I know that's true, but not a lot of them achieved the success and like also the ubiquity. Like Shrek never is seen, never seen the piano. That won an Oscar. Yeah, I think Shrek might have as well though. Shrek is like an online language. Like, yeah. Do you not? Do you not like? click through and pass and around all of these Shrek memes and all this Shrek content. And you're like, guy, I've been on the internet since birth. You don't need to know the original source material to be able to speak in memes. I know, but are you not like curious how something like this became so widespread? Uh, I guess it would be probably worthwhile watching at some stage. I would be really interested to know what you think of it. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I don't feel very compelled to watch it. I don't think I'll enjoy it or hate it enough for it to be interesting. It's a comedy movie led by comic leads Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy. Mike Myers, famous for co-hosting with Kanye West during Hurricane Katrina when he said those immortal words. That's the number one thing when you go on his IMDb. George Bush doesn't care about black people. Yeah. And his his frantic on-the-spot... via satellite sort of eyes only communication with Chris Rock from memory is like one of the most funny frantic moments I've ever seen on a television yeah. screen in my the, damn the, life. The curtain really drops in that moment. <laughs> Canadians aren't built for that kind of conflict. They're just not. Like you, you can't serve up a tamale that hot. But I guess no one kind of um well the world didn't really know the depths of Kanye West's chaos at that point. No. And, he, you know, yeah. I was thinking about that recently. I was thinking about Kanye recently. It's, we don't need to well, talk about what Kanye. You, what do you, no, like, get, get into it. What were you thinking about Kanye West? This was a musical porno, porn, pornography. Yeah, it's true. I was, just, I, I was thinking I, that moment popped into my head when I was running. As much for, like, remembering Mike Myers as the, what Kanye was saying. And I was like, wow, Kanye's, like, he's got just, this incredible track record of these like really you know memorable moments and he almost it appears because he's he's obviously got some he's got a lot of thoughts in his brain it, he doesn't he's seem got to bipolar care. i think that's quite public and i think even he's sort of it, it doesn't, he doesn't seem to care what side of history he lands on like he's 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 an example of someone who's truly living in the moment and it often to his detriment yeah mental illness is a hell of a drug um you get a lot you get a lot with it. It's pretty crazy to um, go uh, be the guy who is <laughs> in Tim Bat's brain, famous for saying George Bush doesn't care about black people, and then becoming a Trump supporter later on. Like mm. that, you've run the whole gamut. Yeah, it's huge. Well, and then it's running for president life. yourself. Yeah, true that. True that. 
This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Oh, I want to play another song. Um, I'm so glad you're doing this because these songs truly need to be heard to be understood and believed. I think this one's called Do the Jiggle. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This features a, a plastic trumpet, which for some reason, like A... Renting a trumpet is really cheap. Trumpets are not, in terms of the brass instrument world, they're not an expensive instrument to come upon. You can get, in New Zealand dollars, you could buy a um, like a student's trumpet, brand new, for around $1,000, which would be around $700 US. You can rent them so cheaply. So, so cheaply. This is the first song. We This is the introduction to the musical component of this film, and it's the Mad Hatter who's like, he's a really bad actor, the guy who's playing the Mad Hatter. And he pretty much feels like he gives people horny tea. He's, I'm actually not sure if that's what I'm... Oh, it is what I'm playing. Yeah, it is what I'm playing. You've got such a better memory than me. I've just seen this movie and I, I didn't know like what bit this was. Well, he, good I, I just, he was like, it was, I remember it was the first song and he was such a bad actor. And then they gave mm. him the first song. And I was like, I yes. can't believe like you're asking so much from someone who's barely hanging on. And he's the Mad Hatter, he's a gigolo, and he's having sex with Goldilocks. Do you know what this feels like to me? This feels like I'm Jimmy Kimmel and you're setting up a clip for a movie you're promoting right now. So this is the scene where uh, Emmanuel meets the Mad Hatter and he's having an orgy with Goldilocks and some others and um, they find out his profession. Anyway, you'll see. Let's play the clip. So the jiggle, the jiggle dance is um 
it's codified language for sex. And the gigolos, the Mad Hatters, he's he's got a side hustle aside from wearing hats with lead in them. He also fucks people for money. <laughs> it's mercury, I think. Oh, it is, it is mercury. Lead, lead doesn't make you nuts. It just makes you sick. Is that right? Uh, was that lead? Oh, yeah, lead will kill you. What's the deal sure. with that? What do you mean? Where were people getting their lead that was making them sick lead, in the water? Lead, lead was in everything. Lead, I mean, lead's in water now, which is bad, but lead was in paint and it was also in petrol, which was a big issue because um, you put that in your car and then it becomes a gas, and it's quite hard to get away from a gas. Mm. Um, look, that probably exhausts all the notes I have. Oh, well, you don't need to worry because I, um, I've got all sorts of all sorts of notes. Yeah, I'm going off book now, um, just like this this musical did at certain times, especially during the credits. I just, listen, can I say this? I was so fucking impressed. I was so fucking impressed that these guys got it together. And it, it's, it, you know, there's a competition in New Zealand called the 48-hour film competition. Yeah. And yeah. this has been going for about 15 years now, give or take. It's and a great it initiative. Is, there, are, there are very there are variations of it in other places. There are, you probably know exactly what it is, really. The, the name's on the tin. You've got one weekend to create an entire short film with a small team, or maybe solo. And our version in New Zealand started by a guy called Ant Timpson, who is an absolute legend. And it is um, the New Zealand one is like, I think, the most popular competition of its kind. Uh, in the southern Actually, hemisphere, um, it's huge. Taika Waititi won it a lot before he started really doing anything. I, I and I remember, like in real time, I remember they used to play the the, the finalists on TV. I remember mm. watching his one. He was a vampire judge in a courtroom. Like that's it's, right. It's a. He also did a really cool solo wartime one when he was like a soldier and he was just like popping up and from behind a couch and getting shot and stuff. It's like a. It's a veritable New Zealand film institution. This pipeline. It is. Um, quick plug, I also won, uh, it was part of a team that won it one year. Uh, With a movie about, a about jumping, ago. child jumping. That's right. But the reason I bring it's it up YouTube, is because, up. so you get attributed um, the name of your lead character, a line of dialogue, a prop, and the genre that you must contain for your film to prove that you made it that weekend. You get given that at 7pm on the Friday, you hand in at 7pm on the Sunday, it is everyone's biggest fear to get musical as a genre. Musical is on the board every year, and it is the most lamented. And it's because it's fucking hard. It's really hard to make a musical movie. These guys did it, guy. Maybe they did it in a, in a weekend. It, it wouldn't shock me to hear that. <laughs> the Emmanuel three-time franchise. Like, the 48-hour film thing, I couldn't stop thinking the whole time I was watching it. It had 48 hours energy littered throughout it, in the sense that it's like... Is it perfect? No. Is it good enough? Yes. And is it good enough is a great byline for this Emmanuel Through Time series. Mm. Like, There's a lot of musical m- movies that they say they're a musical, but they've got, what, like three songs in it? This is good about ten. It's, it's impressive. You, you, there is probably an argument to be made that it was too many songs, that maybe if they concentrated working a little harder on seven of the songs... There was so little pornography in this. Ali Hayes, you do see topless quite a lot, but that's after the first 15 minutes, that's sort of it. You see, Very few people get the rocks off. Yeah. Her, like my oh, shining light. Well, oh, sorry, you go. Well, my shining light was actually her as Emmanuel um, 
the wolf. So there's a, the the catalyst for a lot of action. This is Emmanuel's. She goes through the 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 blimp uh, wormhole, and she gets trapped inside of this weird fairy tale universe. And she's trying to find a way out. And some people help her, and some people don't. But there's the wicked, not the wicked witch, but like the evil witch from Snow White. She's a composite. She's a sort of, yeah, but yeah. She's mainly but there. she's yeah. Snow White appears with no one if she keeps talking to the mirror on the wall. And um, she's trying to hunt down Emmanuel, and she sets her up at one point. She goes into a building to ask someone something. She comes across the big bad wolf from Little Red Riding Hood, and she's like, ah, this is not what I need, and leaves. And then she sends Emmanuel in there. She's like, oh, you need help? Go in there. She goes in there. She comes across the wolf, who, as Tim has said, is inexplicably in wolf face. Um, It's a gray wolf. It's a a gray area. And... (laughs) uh, the wolf is like, there's a lot of sort of 50-50 performances in this. The wolf is a very poor, like physically lacks charisma, has no confidence in their dance moves. They've got a choreographed mm. dance to go with their song, which they also don't totally believe in. Yeah, And I was like super turned off by the wolf. <laughs> but Emmanuel is turned on. And so what, what's her real name? Ellie Hayes. Ellie Hayes. Oh, I keep, sorry, Bre- she goes by Brittany Joy, yeah. I think, is her credit. Ellie Hayes, but- the actor who plays Emmanuel, does an amazing job of slowly being turned on by this abysmal song and dance performance by this wolf. And I was watching that, and I was like, you've really got chops. Like, this is – I can Ellie tell Hayes, that you're being turned on right now. Ellie Hayes is, I will say this, an incredibly charismatic on-screen performer. She's got she's got the sparkly, twinkly eyes. She's got an easy smile. She's someone that you want to hang out with on screen. Absolutely. Um, she's done a great job of carrying she, so many yeah. other lackluster actors she, in this Emmanuel Through Time series. She holds this this film. I mean, she's hold, held the franchise together, but she holds this film together. All of the supporting players are also, by the way, um, from the blimp. Oh, yeah. It's all your regular... Dude, so it's which your, is what kind of makes it interesting is like a it's not canon but it is of the same cloth, which is an interesting. Um, they reference the Wizard of Oz. It's sort of like a and you were there and you were there and you were there, yeah. but they they never actually do that. But that would have been a nice ending, I think, if she kind of came back because she's somehow travelled through the wormhole by herself. Usually, the whole blimp goes through, so you have the whole cast. You know, they're on the same page yeah. in an alien world, but this time it's just been Emmanuel put through the wormhole. And it would have been nice for her to like wake up, I think, in the Emmanuel.tv blimp and be like, yeah, do the Auntie M, da da da. You were there, you were there thing. But it never happens. Can I say this? You brought up the mirror, mirror on the wall thing. So, you know, are you familiar with the uh, the Mandela effect? Yes. It's a, a, a huge I don't know. misremembrance of something. I actually don't remember how it pertains to Nelson Mandela. It's, I, it's like it's, the, it's because it's the, when he passed away, thousands, millions of people were like, "No, no, that guy died in prison." Everyone was like, oh, "No, no, oh. he didn't. He got out of prison and led the country of South Africa I, for a while." And everyone was like, "No, no, no, he's he died ages ago." I know for the um, it's also the Berenstein Bears or the Berstein yeah. Bears or whatever. That's right, yeah. So it's like a collective misremembrance of something. So you know how everyone thinks it's mirror, mirror on the wall? Apparently, I can't verify this. I just 
read this recently. I saw it in a YouTube video, some shit. But in the Disney um, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, in the movie that everyone knows that moment from, apparently it's magic mirror on the wall. Mirror, mirror on the wall is never said. Well, the more you know. fucked up's that? That makes sense because it is a magic mirror and it would pay in terms of storytelling to label that so everyone's like, why is this person saying mirror twice and why is this Mm. mirror talking? (laughs) <laughs> you gotta let the kids know. You gotta connect those the dots mirror is for talking them. because it's a magic there's, mirror. There's big furry energy in this movie, and I am here for it. We've got the big bad wolf in a full head to toe fursuit, and Emmanuel absolutely goes to town on a mound of fur that is around the pubis region. Correct. And I imagine anyone who is that way inclined into into all things furry. Um, I'm not a, I'm not into furry myself, but I saw that stuff I'm, and I was like, "This is fun." I, I appreciate it. This I is can fun. understand how one would engage with the world. And there's a few moments of that. I think there's there's maybe one other character who's furry, or is it just? Do, do I just keep seeing the big bad wolf actually a couple of times? I think he's in like three different scenes, but. It's the full body fursuit that's kind of shit. Like it's not a very convincing wolf. It's just like, oh, there's a guy in a fursuit. Well, yeah, and then because the, there's the face paint, but then they've got like the, your elasticized prosthetic, prosthetic wolf nose. nose, which is just a mm. piece of elastic over the back of the head. Anyway, it's a good time. It's a shout out to a particular region of the kink community, and I think it was a nice addition to the film. It's a, it's a bit of a tease for them though, isn't it? Possibly, like, yeah. You want to you want to actually see these furries? Fuck. You don't really see. You see. You don't really not in a pornographic way. You don't really see anyone fuck in this movie. No, you just see them sing. You see them sort of like get to the point when they would wow. fuck, or they've just finished fucking, or they're about to. They've been caught, you know, at the end of coitus. But for a porno, for what? There's something parading around. There's something part of a flying under series. the Emmanuel mm. banner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's surprisingly light on sex. Um, what I'm very interested to know that I have not looked up is where this comes versus the other one, spelt C-U-M-S. Uh, <laughs> this was released in 2011, which I think is the same as the other one. So I don't know canonically like if this is in the middle of the rest of them or It feels afterwards. like it belongs at the end, to be honest. Yes, yeah, same. It feels I, like I it should agree. have gone after even the Emmanuel secret agent one, which is all told in flashback. I'm like, this is yeah. a nice way to cap the whole thing. Send us on our way. I think it might have done that. So, yeah, depending on where you look, this either came out in 2011 or 12. This did at least some limited run of a festival circuit as well. Great. I saw it come up um, on a website, something called... Uh, uh, Queen's World. You've heard of Queensland. You've heard of Queenstown. This is the Queen's World Film Festival. Wow. And it, it played there in 2012. That sounds so. re- real. That sounds legitimate. Yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. It was a legit website. It seemed real yeah. to me at the time. The anyway. The internet's a trustworthy place. Um, to be honest, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we need any visitations from any um, Tim, co-hosts The whole today. time I've been crossing my fingers, legs, toes, that yeah. neither of those guys had stopped by. Nah, I don't think we need them. In fact, I think maybe we bop this one on the head. Um, Please. I've had a cool time watching the movie, and I'm going to rate it. Out of a possible two Brothers Grimm, I will rate this film one Brother Grimm. How many brothers are there? 
Two. Aren't there? I don't know. I I think there's two. So fifty percent. I'm gonna rate this movie out of um Shrek. So Holy be- fuck. I think there was a ton of brothers. Yeah, I thought that too. Oh no, wait. The literary there was only two. But they had other siblings. I, it feels like they did. Sorry. So, go, go. well, my my rating system is out of um, Shrek. So, obviously, a full Shrek is five out of five. A Shree, four out of five. Shur, three, etc., etc. And I'm going to give it a. Um, I'm going to give it. A- I don't want to. I don't want to tell you how to suck eggs, but I think the the scoring should go at like it, it's at the lowest end. It's Shrek, and the highest end it's Shrek five, and middling is Shrek the third. If it's kind of good, it's Shrek ever after. I will not be schooled on the Shrek universe by a, a self-professed ignorant. It's a Shree for me, Tim. Four out of five. Shit, pretty high. Or Shrek Forever After, um, if you take this Philistine's adapted um, scoring system. I mean, like, how somebody's never seen Shrek familiar with all of the sequels and spin-offs? I'm on the internet a lot, brother. You're you're a maniac. Um so, obviously, we're we're there's not a firm close on when we're out of here with respect to Emmanuel. I'm, I'm pretty ready to say uh, a Vita Zane to Emmanuel and the Chocolate Factory because I I've I really have looked. You don't want to get a DVD sent over from Japan. We it would take so long, especially now. We've got a whole crisis going on in terms of transport and stuff. I'm all for. Fucking saying goodbye to this franchise. Why don't you fucking order it from Japan, guy? How about you take the reins on that one? Okay. And then in, in, in a year and a half. Yeah. You're going to fucking hate me <laughs> when, when I show up at your stop house. Stop doing When this lockdown's finished and the season is finished and we're not even talking to each other anymore and I show up and say, hey, Tim, we've got one ass left to kick. <laughs> Fuck one you. big job. <laughs> yeah. We've got one big job left and then we're out. So to my uh, to my listener, I say thank you. And to you, Tim, I say, mm-hmm. fuck you. Um, righto. Pretty rich coming from a massive piece of shit such as yourself. But I will say to our dear libertarian listener, um, you know, keep up the good fight. Don't tread on me. And to Guy, I'll say, go and fuck yourself. I'm so chubbed up after this movie. It's the first thing I'm going to do. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.